0: Yeah. She sounds absolutely incredible. I mean, you've been through so much, Joni.
1: Yeah. I have. But but I, I did it in good company, you know. Like, my, my nurses are with me yes. on this trip. And, and my therapist. Mm-hmm. I've been surrounded by really good people, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's been a happy time, my like, convalescence. Has it? And yeah, it has been. It's been lovely,
0: you know. How does it feel to sing again?
1: Oh, it feels really good. She's playing guitar now.
2: Yeah, and she plays the bongos, and she hosts these jams, and she's brought this group of young people together. Yeah, that's ripple affected well beyond the Joni jams, well beyond Joni's house. Mm-hmm. You know, we've well, Brandy
1: too. You know, is responsible for that. For, you know, because the generations are always kind of apart. Like when, when, when Paul McCartney came to one of our jams, and he said, it was great to be. Surrounded by young, up and coming musicians. Yeah. It wasn't something he'd experienced, yeah. you know? So the generations kind of stay apart, but. But thanks to Brandy, you know, I'm included in, you know, my, my blue album went to number one. Fifty years after its release. Hey, Johnny. <laughs>
0: hey, you, you've gotten. You've gotten incredible accolades this year the Kennedy Center honors, the music care honoree.
1: Yes, bring it. How did that feel? Oh, very rewarding, you know, because for, you know, a lot of doors were shut to me, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they kept me out of that for a long time.
0: So you're feeling the love?
1: I'm feeling the love, yeah. It's very rewarding. Feels good. It feels good. It's a beautiful thing to (laughs) see her honored in this way.
0: Yeah. Brandy mentioned. You're playing guitar. You taught yourself to play again.
1: I'm, I'm learning. I, I'm looking at videos that are on the net to, to see what, where I put my fingers. You know, and it's amazing. Like what a, an aneurysm knocks out. How to get out of a chair. You don't know how to get out of yeah. bed. You don't know how. Yeah. You know, we have to learn all these things by rote again. You know, I was a I was into water ballet as a kid, and. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot how to do the breaststroke. I, every time I tried it, I just go drown, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of, you you're going back to infancy
0: almost. You have yeah. to relearn everything. How do you find the will to do that?
1: I, I don't know, but the, the, the surgeon, uh, Duckwile, that, that did did the brain surgery on me, I said I had will and grit.
0: Yeah. You show <laughs> that
2: every day. Do, you, yeah. think, do every you, day. you think you
0: have will and grit? Yeah, I
1: think I do. <laughs> she definitely <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> I've recovered from a lot of things, you know. You sure have. Polio. Yes. You
0: know. Your friends call you a miracle. <laughs> Dior Forever.
3: Ha, a miracle, Roberta Joan Anderson. Today is her birthday. You know her as Joni Mitchell. This iconic. I mean. <laughs> Born January, or January, oops, I'm so tired. Born November 7th, 1943, in Fort McLeod, Alberta, Canada. All right? Uh, Everyone knows who Joni Mitchell is. Come on, everybody knows. Joni Mitchell, in 2015, had a really bad aneurysm, and it almost killed her. And so here we are, seven years later, and she still lives to tell the tale. And hasn't lost that brilliant mind. Um, Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast Music Edition. If you ever want to see someone who really knows how to deliver shade. It's Joni Mitchell. And she means it in the nicest way. Whether it's her talking about her old friend Bob Dylan. When they said, oh, you said that Bob is an original. She says, oh, no. That's journalistic bullshit. No. Well, his voice isn't original. He's borrowed it from old hillbillies. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! But you know, Bob Bob probably doesn't take it that way. He's like, oh, it's just Joni. Talk about someone who, I mean, she. You know how some people are too honest for their own good. She's very honest, and how. She understands her art form because first and foremost, she does her music from painter's principles. She was she was not going to be a musician. And she and she does talk about how some musicians pick a musician and emulate. And she only did it out of necessity after she got pregnant. And then she started writing songs. She saw them as meditations. Then she became. You know, she married Chuck Mitchell and then she became Joni Mitchell and started playing the coffee houses in Saskatchewan. I see. I can't say it. Um, but yeah, I mean, first and foremost is the music, um, you know, blue and Chelsea morning and, uh, what's that one? Uh, it's coming on Christmas. Come on. Come on. Uh. Freeman in Paris, Court and Spark, um, Mingus. You know, we always talk about musicians who reinvent themselves. She just doesn't do the same thing twice. I remember in the 90s, she put out Turbulent Indigo. And uh, if you've ever heard the song Sex Kills, and it's just, whoa. And she was making that I love, I love her story about it. She was making turbulent Indigo," which basically describes the '90s, with her soon-to-be ex-husband, um, Larry Klein. And so they won a Grammy together for it, and she says, "Oh, Klein, just uh, seeing as we say, that made this album in the state of divorce, and how they, they went and got cats, cats." To take the edge off the engineer, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, a lot of that is her Canadian roots, her Canadian humor. Um, I could play some songs for you, but she would probably sue me, and I don't want that. Um, you know, I I love Bob. I I will always love Bob Dylan, and and. Uh, but I think of my professor who we were talking about Patti Smith once, and I said, "You know everyone compares Patti Smith to Bob Dylan, and she said she's better than Bob Dylan, the same with Joni Mitchell, you know, um, but then at the same time, you can't mention Joni Mitchell without mentioning her friend and fellow Canadian Neil Young, so there's something in that Canadian water, all these really great musicians, but when it comes to and and I don't even think she wants to consider herself a female's musician. She just wants to consider herself a musician. And that's Joni Mitchell. And I always like the song "Free Man in Paris," uh, and and you know instrumentally she's she's putting that all together. But the real interesting story is, she's often said that her real anger in life is pollution. And what man has done to the environment. And one of her most famous songs is about that. Big Yellow Taxi. Big Yellow Taxi. I guess the inspiration was she was staying in a hotel in Hawaii. And she's looking out and she sees the beautiful seaside. And then she sees this parking lot. And so as the lyrics go, Pave paradise, put put up a parking lot. that's all i'll do um but see lyrically bob bob couldn't even touch her because she's talking about social commentary you know bob would bob would cloak his songs not saying that she's better than bob but you know bob's like a hard rain's gonna fall he's not talking about rain he's talking about civil unrest and Joni's talking about what does she say in the song? I mean, I know the lyrics by heart, you know. Hey, farmer, farmer, put, a, put down the DDT now. Give me um, spots of my apples and leave me the birds and the bees. So she's talking about the environment. And, um, and then also her guitar playing. To hear other musicians, male and female, talk about how she came up with a chord. You know, some people finger pick and Joni would just do wing, wing, wing. You've got another chord. And the musician who stated that was uh, Sean Colvin. Sean Colvin you probably remember from the song. One of my personal favorites. Get Out of This House. And Sonny came home. And she was on Sessions at West 54th. Which was such a great show. Very eclectic. Um, and she talked about Joni Mitchell. How she was influenced by Joni Mitchell. Because Joni. Created a whole new landscape for musicians, where rather than finger picking wing wing wing, you've got another chord. And it wasn't just Sean Colvin. Every I mean, everyone from Sarah McLaughlin to um Maynard James Keenan of Tool to Tori Amos to PJ Harvey. And then and then even someone like Joan Jett. Joan Jett loved Joni Mitchell but Joan didn't want to be like Joni Mitchell. Joan Jet wanted to rock. So there's so there's a complete difference right there. Um but it's hard to believe that next year she will be 80 years old. For 80 for 79 years, I mean her given name is Roberta Joan Anderson and she became Joni Mitchell. Uh just to just to see her in interviews i've always found her fascinating because she gives that interviewer a run for their money <laughs> and the way she's doing it um and but what's really important is the music if you go back and listen to court and spark and you go back and listen to blue um blue is probably and that's her on piano and um that very famous lyric songs are like tattoos and it's like whoa and she really is writing meditations because realistically we don't really know what's inside her head we know bits and pieces of Joni Mitchell's life bits and pieces okay and what I find with musicians is if we don't know the whole story that really makes the music more intense because you don't know really what they're thinking about. You know, I remember a musician once saying that the song itself is your soap opera. It is what you interpret from it. You know, um, so like with Joni Mitchell songs, it's what you Interpret from it. Now, last year, she was given the Kennedy Center honor. Um, and then uh, this year she played. Um, she played Newport. She had not the folk festival. She had not played Newport since the nineteen sixties, and here she was. She had convalesced she had survived that really horrible brain aneurysm and but musically you know to to hear her talk about her brain and as she says the synapses and you know um being a painter and applying painter printable principles to uh being a musician and i'm going to play a little I'm going to play a little bit of her Kennedy Center tribute. And yes, you're going to hear some of the music. She'll probably come after me. But out of respect, um, in order to tell the tale of Joni Mitchell, we have to go to the music. And we have to go to this really wonderful lyrical uh, star, shooting star of sorts.
4: performed
5: by Nora
1: Jones.
4: Yesterday, a child came out to wonder. Hers was a happy childhood in Saskatchewan, made blissful by a talent for drawing and melodies that were all her own. But at the age of nine, Joni's life was transformed by polio. Her convalescence awakened a profound artistic intelligence within her. So when a prophetic English teacher told Joni, if you can paint with a brush, you can paint with words, she began her journey to the burgeoning stages of folk music.
5: I was born to take the highway. I was born to chase
4: a dream. Joni's crystalline soprano was set to a gingerly plucked guitar that she tuned her own way, creating a new, ethereal sound. And at just 23, with an old soul wisdom, she put pen to paper and took us on a child's passage into adulthood
3: see. we're going to pull away because hello copyright wonderful copyright um, is this what let's see here we go Grammys
4: for best album and best album art once in a while Her boundless versatility spanned folk, pop, and rock. But it was a jazz-infused song that gave her a
3: number one hit. All right, we're going to pull away. Because I, I, I love that song. And I don't want her to come after me. Oh, here we go. This is a story that I was looking for. Talking about the inspiration for Big Yellow Taxi. Which is... One of her rec- most recognizable songs, Big Yellow Taxi. Here we go.
4: On June's first trip to Hawaii, she landed late at night, took a taxi to the hotel. The next morning, she opened the curtains and saw beautiful green mountains in the distance But looking down, she saw what she described as a vast parking lot as far as the eye could see. Well, this blight on paradise scratched at her heart. So she sat down and wrote a rock and roll song about it to perform Big Yellow Taxi against the backdrop of Joni.
3: And that's the inspiration for Big Yellow Taxi. But now... I want to. I want to go back. I'm so tired of these commercials. I really am. But to go back to the woman herself speaking about her her just artistic uh, her gifts. I mean, as a paint as a paint not just a painter, but as a singer songwriter, and and um, yeah. Yes.
0: I, I've recovered from a lot of things. You know, you sure have. Polio. Yes. No. Your friends call you a miracle. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I didn't get downhearted by it. And I was surrounded by really good people and we laughed. And, yeah. And they made my convalescence very pleasant.
0: hmm. I know. I've never heard anybody call convalescence pleasant.
1: No, but it, <laughs> it, it is if you have good company.
2: Yes.
0: It's <laughs> great you to know. hear. And
2: now she's about to headline Newport.
0: I know. Um, 78. You've been you've been thinking about this for quite a while.
2: I dreamed it. The first time she opened her mouth and sang "Summertime," and I saw Herbie Hancock burst into tears, wow. and everybody in the room catch their breath because she had decided to sing—really decided to sing. You know?
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I knew I knew she'd do it on yeah. Newport. I, I can't really say how I knew it. Mm-hmm. I just pictured her out there. I pictured the water. And the fort and the boats, yeah. and everybody just it's been a long so time happy to I be played. with her. in that way played again. Played
1: here twice before.
0: Yeah, 67. Yeah. And 69. 69.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I met Leonard Cohen in 67. I met James Taylor in 69. Yeah.
0: You know, that's pretty good company.
1: Good friends for my life. You yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. What are you expecting from the audience? In your in Newport. I
1: don't expect. I don't. I don't think that way. You don't. I don't have ex- expectations, but. You know, I think it'll be warm if its it's been warm every place I've been recently. I mean, yeah. I think I think, coming, having a brush with death like that kind of softens people towards me.
2: <laughs> I think that she um, <clears throat> has always changed the world through music. Yes. And now she's changing the world through music by causing young people to congregate around her.
6: Yeah.
2: And raise the bar on each other and on right. the sense of community. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're giving the audience a gift because... They're going to get a glimpse of that. They're going to get a glimpse of the way that Jenny Mitchell is still impacting, changing the world through pop culture right at right. this very minute.
0: Right. And you know what the audience is going to be I like.
1: I know what they're going to do. I think it's going to be fun. And I thought it was going to be horrible, but I wasn't too horrible tonight. Oh, Joni, you were beautiful. You were beautiful.
7: Perfect. Absolutely perfect.
0: Are you at all nervous about singing in front of an audience again?
1: No, I've never been nervous about being in front of an audience. But I wanted to be good, you know, and I wasn't sure that I could be, but... I didn't sound too bad
0: tonight. <laughs> 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 Thank you both so much. For <laughs> it was such a treat.
3: That's Joni Mitchell and Brandy Carlisle who really has orchestrated this comeback. This not so, uh, professional, but also performance comeback. The fact that she hasn't performed in nine years. And she did it at Newport, where she played in nineteen sixty seven, and nineteen sixty nine. Um. Here's a little bit of her story. Mitchell began singing in small nightclubs in Saskatoon, S- Saskatchewan, and throughout the western Western cana- Canada before moving on to the nightclubs of Toronto, Ontario. She moved to the United States and began touring in nineteen sixty five. Some of her original songs, Urge for Going, Chelsea Morning, Both Sides Now, The Circle Game, were recorded by other folk singers, allowing her to sign with Reprise Records and record her debut album Song to a Seagull in 1968. Mitchell helped define an era and a new generation with popular songs like Big Yellow Taxi and Woodstock. Her 1971 album Blue is often cited as one of the best albums of all time, yep. It was rated the 30th best album ever in Rolling Stone's 2003 list of 500 album greatest albums of all time. Mitchell switched labels and began exploring more jazz-influenced melodic ideas, by way of lush pop textures on 1974's Cart- *Court and Spark*, which featured the radio hits "Help Me" and "Free Man in Paris," and became her best-selling album. Mitchell's vocal range began to shift from mezzo-soprano to more of a wide-ranging contralto around 1975. Now, Mitchell herself has said that because of the polio, as she gets older, her voice has deepened a little more. So she, she's not really at that soprano, the mezzo-soprano, that everyone remembers. But she is able to just, I mean, still capture it. And in uh, 2000, now a lot of people, you you know, it's funny when you talk to people about songwriters. I've said this before, who people will say to me, oh, I love that Patsy Cline wrote crazy. And then they get pissed when I say, well, Willie Nelson wrote that. No, he didn't. And it's not that I'm trying to be right. It's just a fact. And I show them right there, written by Willie Nelson, that it's a fact. I'm not trying to be right. It's a fact. An F-A-C-T. Fact. Now, everyone remembers both sides now. Judy Collins did both sides now. Judy Collins made it a big hit. Okay? In 2000, Joni Mitchell... S- redid both sides now, added an orchestra, made it in a very jazzy kind of way, and it won her a Grammy. And people were kind of, it was funny because you know, how people are, they were like, Oh, so Judy let Joni sing her song? And people were like, No, Joni wrote that song. And then Joni Mitchell has said that, you know, she remembers the first time she met John Lennon and he says, oh, what, what's wrong with you? You let people have your hits. You you don't want a hit for yourself. Why don't you put a couple of fiddles on it? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> huh. First and foremost, she is a songwriter, but also she is a painter. Okay. So here we are talking about her on her 79th birthday next year she will be 80 all right she gave voice to a generation she continues to give voice to new generations um but lyrically oh god lyrically she, her lyrics are really they just they're there they're monuments like if i like big yellow taxi where she's talking about paid paradise Put up a parking lot. That right there is a monument lyric because we all know what she's talking about. Um, But uh, my favorite is when she says, uh, hey, farmer, farmer, put it put down the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples. Give me the birds and the bees. And then, of course, um, blue songs are like tattoos. The way you know, everyone always says that. I've heard people say, oh, songs are like tattoos. And then I laugh and I say, you know, you're quoting Joni Mitchell. Who? That's a lyric. Songs are like tattoos. That's in the blue song. Um, Free Man in Paris, which is such a great song. But when I talk to people, they all talk about the song Help Me. That was a big radio hit. Help me. Um but yeah, I mean lyrically nobody can touch her. Nobody can touch her. They're inspired by her and if we can go through, I mean that that's the thing is when you are a singer-songwriter and the other people that you you know, you influence and it's a ripple effect and she really has created a ripple effect. And um You know, she, uh, God, her legacy, her legacy is very interesting and her influence. I mean, listen to this. Mitchell's work has been influence on many artists, including Taylor Swift, Bjork, Prince, Ellie Golding, Harry Styles, Corinne Bailey Ray, Gabrielle Elpin, um, Mikhail Akraev from Op- Op- Opeth, I can't even say it. They're and they're a metal band. Oh my. Opeth. Um Pink Floyd's David Gilmore. Even Madonna has cited Joni Mitchell as the first female artist that really spoke to her as a teenager. Several artists have had successful covers with Joni Mitchell's songs. Judy Collins, 1967 recording of Both Sides Now. All right. Amy Grant covered Big Yellow Taxi. uh, Janet Jackson used a sample of Big Yellow Taxi for her song, Got Till It's Gone. Um, Annie Lennox covered Ladies of the Canyon for her B-side hit to No More I Love Yous. Um, Mandy Moore covered "Help Me." George Michael covered her song "Edith and the Kingpin." <laughs> um, James Taylor, James Taylor covered some of her songs. Sarah McLachlan, um, but in two thousand and seven. Joni Mitchell's really good friend, Herbie Hancock, put out an album called The Joni Letters. It was a collection of her songs done by her, Tina Turner, Corinne Bailey Ray, and it won the album of the year at the Grammy Awards. And first and foremost, he thanked Joni Mitchell because it was a tribute album to her. And her and Herbie Hancock have been friends a long time. So that's that's the beauty of the community within the music industry. Oh, here we go. The Joni, yeah, the Joni letters. Um, We will end tonight with Mr. Herbie Hancock. In fact, strangely enough, that was the first jazz album to win Album of the Year in, is it 50 years? I think. And that was a moment because that night, people were expecting uh, Amy Winehouse to win Album of the Year. And it changed. It changed. Here we go. And the Grammy goes to...
0: The Johnny Letters, Herbie Hancock.
6: What a beautiful day this is in Los Angeles. Johnny Mitchell. Johnny Mitchell. Johnny Mitchell, thank you so much. You know, it's been a 100 it's been 43 years since the first and only time that a jazz artist got the Album of the Year Award. Oh. Yeah, this is what I was looking for. Oh. Hey, Larry, could you hold this one? Yeah, yeah, I can. And I'd like to to thank the, the Academy for courageously breaking the mold this time. And in doing so, honor the giants upon whose shoulders I stand. Some of whom, like Miles Davis, John Coltrane, unquestionably deserve this award in the past. But this is a new day that proves that the impossible can be made possible. Yes, we can, to coin a phrase. And my thanks, of course, to Johnny Mitchell, her music and her words. And without the vision of Larry Klein, a producer, this could never have happened. Thank you, Larry. And I want to thank my mother and father. I want to thank... My wife, Gigi, Jessica, my daughter, so Melinda Murphy, uh, all the musicians, Wayne Shorter, Dave Holland, Vinnie Colayuta, Lionel Lewicki, Tina Turner, Corinne Beatty Ray, Nora Jones, Luciana Toza, Leonard Cohen, Sonja Kitchell, Helik Hadar, Dalia Amba Kaplan, everyone at Verve, Ken Hertz, and everyone at Goldring, Hertz and, and Liechtenstein, Shorefire. thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. 50th annual
3: grant. We can. Melinda Murphy. And so that is um our show. Joni Mitchell. Or wait a minute. Let's, you know, we we can't we can't end without the woman herself. Um one of my favorite interviews that she ever did was with Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie I love that show. I loved how she really treated her guests with respect and um okay, in okay. two thousand Joni was promoting um her uh album uh both sides now and um here we go i mean it's that really is a moment for her to do both sides now. With that orchestra, and um it really is truly moving i uh, I yeah to have to have an artist be able to do their the song that they made famous with other people and to give it a whole new life. here we go.
7: saying that, because (laughs) listening to Court and Spark when I was a kid, I never thought I'd be saying that, but here I am. I love the record. Oh, thanks, Rosie. It is so great, and it's such a different kind of sound for you. So different, yeah. How did you decide on this with the huge orchestra and everything?
5: Uh, Well, I got a taste of it in LA during the El Nino storms. Yeah. Don Henley had a benefit, and he hired an orchestra, 61 pieces, I think it was, called the El Nino Orchestra, and he got 10 divas, myself included. Um, to to sing a couple of songs so we all got to glam up in evening dresses and parade out like the old chirps you know, like just stand and sing and leave, right? Right. And uh, it was Bjork and Natalie Cole and, and uh, Sean uh, Colvin and a really interesting roster of uh, Stevie Nicks and Sheryl uh, Kroll. Anyway all of us just Wanted to do more of it. Two songs wasn't enough. And did you do your own playing... song there? Or did oh you... no, no, we did standards. Oh really? So I did Stormy Weather and and I did uh, Trouble Man, which is isn't exactly a standard Marvin Gaye song. That was probably the most contemporary in the piece. And Bjork and I did a uh, a duet. Um, what is this thing called Love? Right. And she did Gloomy Sunday. She. So there was a lot of Billie Holiday stuff in the show. Anyway, that's where I got the taste of it. And when I got there, they they put me three flights of stairs in a very nice dressing room, but as I was puffing up, like after the second landing, I said to this young guy, I said look, why would you put the oldest broad up on the third floor? (laughs) You know, you put the youngest one at the top, and you put the the oldest one in the wings there. So then I went down, and I stood up for rehearsal with this orchestra for the first time, and I went back upstairs into makeup, and I sat down in the chair, and I had this big grin on my face, and I realized that I had taken the three flights two at a time. So at that point, I said, oh, my God, you know, this is... It
7: energized a, you in a way.
5: An energizing experience. And had
7: you ever done that before, 61-piece orchestra, mm-hmm. or was that the Not first that
5: time big. that was? I'd, I'd overdubbed on Paprika Plains and a couple of things. After after I'd laid the foundation myself, I'd, I'd brought in smaller string groups or, or um, you know, I've orchestrated the music, but never never singing live. And never the old standards, which are d- different to sing than my songs, because my songs are... are um, theatrical in a different way the standards kind of have one mood and keep it there like you're my thrill so you're all woofy you've been smitten you know at last well you're all happy and you can celebrate it and then you've changed and you're all sad and you know whereas my songs are, are, are jumping hither and yon emotionally from one thing to to another so they're more complex and they're more wordy and 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 the emphasis is not so much in on singing as it is for lack of a better word, acting. I mean, you have to bring the, the, the text to life, you know? Right. So you don't think about whether your voice is sounding pretty or you're floating or you're holding a note. It's just getting the words... And the story and, and the, the feeling story out, you know? But you did two of
7: your own songs on this. Yeah. And how did you choose which two to do? Because that's my favorite song on the record, which you couldn't do today because it takes a lot more pieces of the orchestra, but "A Case of You, which is such a
5: beautiful, beautiful version on this. Oh, thank you. Well, how did you choose those two, both sides now and this? Well, I started with um, "You're My Thrill." I knew that was the opener, because, like, okay, you get smitten, you know, and and uh, the receptors are are full of pheromones, and uh, and then you know, and then you go from woofy to you know celebration, and uh, and, and and then it very shortly. You come to, you've changed,
7: right, right. <laughs> you know, so
5: when you hit that pocket, then then there are a lot of songs about the various changes that one can go through in a romantic situation. So there, there was like a plethora of choices, and that was hard. And case of you was one of them, in that um, it was more more modern. A lot of the old songs are written by men for women to sing, and and some of them are a little bit on the doormat side of, of it, you know, like. Um, Some of them are 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 beautiful, um, stand by your man kind kind of things. And case of you is a kind of a dorm It's kind of an enlightened doormat song. You know what I
7: mean? It's like she's a doormat, but she knows it because she says, "If you want me, I'll be
5: in the barn." You know what I mean? barn. Exactly. You're giving me a hard time, you know, but I can take it. (laughs) Right. Right. So there was, uh, was and I want to go home. (laughs) It's a draw in Canada with your face in it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, Both Sides Now was... The the last two songs on the record, one is a Frank Sinatra song, I Wish I Were In Love Again, you know, that's that's brilliant and and witty and, and, uh, you know, the the faint... You know, When Love Congeals, it soon reveals the faint aroma of performing seals. (laughs) You know, it's got some kind of funny stuff in it. and uh, (laughs) Funny but true, you know. And then... um, Both Sides Now worked as a pretty good synopsis, you know, philosophically, it kind of rounded everything up.
7: I was telling Joni at the break when I got a preview of the CD and I said to someone, oh my god, the new Joni Mitchell CD, Both Sides Now, this friend of mine said, oh, Judy Collins, let her sing her song.
5: (laughs) True, I got not a lot. How did you get Judy to give you permission to sing I mean, when I met John Lennon, it was during his last year in LA, you know, like a, and he came up to me and he said, Oh, it's all a product of over-education. You you want a hit, don't you? I was cutting court and Spark. He was cutting across the hall. So I played him something from court and Spark, and he said, You want a hit, don't you? Put some fiddles on it. Why do you always let other people have your hits for you, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
7: Now, uh, you did all the art. As usual, nearly all your CDs, you paint the beautiful, beautiful pieces of art. All but blue. I heard that you um, did them all in two weeks because you were rushed to get the record out? Yeah,
5: well we were trying to make a, a, a Valentine's Day, you know, because of the romantic nature. I had this idea, I wanted it to be like a chocolate box, you know, and get it out for Valentine's Day. And by the time we finished the mixes, we were really close to the deadline to get everything done because you lose the month of December, everything breaks down. So. So, I had two weeks to come up with, oh, gee, you know what what uh, what is the cover going to be and my my friend Brian blade, wonderful drummer, came to visit me, and we found an old photo It was just lying around when I was in my twenties backstage at some kind of concert it looks like and and I know and he liked the photo and, and kind of drew it to my attention, but it was was it, you know twenty five years ago right, but I noticed that the coat. The folds of the sleeve—that the, there was a heart folded in the sleeve. And oh I went, yeah. Heart on the sleeve—that's good enough. Let's start there, you know. <laughs> so I, I started painting this thing, but then I had to put, you know, time. I had to put.
7: Added a few little droopies. Yeah. 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 You know. Well, I could say time has been that very good hard, for you, you know, that that you. Hard. You look
5: damn good, Jody Mitchell.
7: <laughs> you, you really do. <laughs> That
3: resonates with your soul, this CD. It's absolutely amazing. Go get it. There you go. Both sides now. Joni Mitchell, thank you so much. Sing again. Woohoo! That's the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast. So today, on November, November 7th, 1943, Roberta Joan Anderson was born. And in the 1960s, she was renamed Joni Mitchell. And we've all loved her for it. And, um,. Uh, Happy birthday, unpleasant dreams.